listening to The Salty Witches Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Austin, and I'm here tonight with Mike, as usual. Tonight we're going to be discussing some really cool things, but first, how was your day, Mike? I'm good. You're you're very, um, that was a very subdued in, intro for you. And I was almost That's like... last time I did the intro, I was, like, I was really I was like, loud, and I was, I was like, like, oh, my oh God. like, we're on NPR. We should just talk in a very calm... Yeah. No, no, we're not doing ASMR. Okay. Don't whisper. People can't hear you. Okay, so our topic tonight uh, is going to be dream work okay. uh, and astral travel. Um, before we dive into that, though, I want to address a, a question that we had from one of our listeners on last week's episode concerning elementals. Now, uh, those of you who listened to last week's episode will recall that we discussed genus loci. The concept of the genus loci or or local spirits that we can work with, native spirits uh, that we can work with. And when I say native, I mean native to the physical area that we are in, okay, um, that we can work with in our spiritual practices, okay. And, you know, and the genus loci are really, to be honest, that that's that that really is kind of a spectrum of different kinds of spiritual energies. And just to be clear, okay. Elemental spirits would be considered part of the genus loci. They do kind of fall under that kind of that umbrella, that term. Okay. But I, I would say to our listeners that working with elemental energies, I'm and when I say elemental energies, I'm not talking like you're calling the watchtowers and you're, you know, you're evoking the, you know, the, the spirits of these things. I'm talking like you're actually working with an, an intelligent spirit that would have a particular elemental alignment Working with those kinds of spirits is probably something that you really don't want to mess with until you've got, I think, a, a pretty good practice around not only summoning, but also banishing. Because those are spirits that you really need to be very careful about consciously inviting into a space. Yeah. Um, beyond that, a, a lot of elementals, because of their chaotic nature, they can be um, not unfriendly, I guess, but it would be common, I would say, or similar to maybe working with like the Fae. They don't really have a concept of friendly. Yeah. They don't really have a concept that our physical bodies um, are limited by the fact that we have physical bodies. Yeah. So, um, so, so really what we need to do... I'm turning the mic up a little bit because it's so quiet. No, it was fine. <clears throat> anyway, so you were saying. Uh, basically, they just don't really have that concept. They're very primal. Um, they don't do sentences and stuff like that usually it's impulsatory yeah they are they're very impulsive very primal yeah, yeah. and again uh and they, they can appear to be chaotic in nature i think anytime we're dealing with a spirit that would be for one as old as many of these spirits are um and also so closely tied to the natural processes of like you know the land the the you know the seasons these kinds of things you're going to be dealing with spirits that are certainly going to be coming across as a bit more chaotic in their personality and manifestation than perhaps we consider ourselves although i it's my personal opinion that, that humanity is the, the most chaotic life form on the planet given the way that we live our lives and seem to be intent on destroying ourselves i wouldn't say chaotic <laughs> for humanity i just say destructive destructive and immature Okay, that's out there. Okay, all right. Okay, let's talk about our topic. Okay, all right, or, or our main focus for the night. Okay, so let's let's first of all, I I would like to maybe clarify a little bit of the difference between um, dream work, and you know, and, you know, and what the hell, we'll throw this in here too. The difference between dream work, lucid dreaming, and astral travel. 
Okay. So, Austin, would you maybe like to share how how would you define let's let's go with astral travel first how how would you say astral travel travel is it could be distinguished from something like dream work and lucid dreaming astral travel is not limited to the physical realm um most of the time with astral travel it's you're, you're going different places you're uh, I mean, yeah, you could go to someplace physical in this world. That would go into the realms of projection, astral projection. Um, but, you know, astral traveling to the rings of Saturn and stuff like that. You know, that is what astral travel is. It is allowing your, I don't want to say consciousness, but a thread or a piece of your consciousness, um, having control of that and directing it towards some place. Um, and normally when you're astral traveling, sometimes you have a direction. Other times you don't. There are people who astral travel all the time and have no idea they're doing it. And there are people like you, me, where we'll astral travel and it'll be for a specific intent to do a specific thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, that's the one thing about astral travel is that it, it's something that you, you, you really do have to kind of like, you're doing astral travel well, I won't say you, sh you you are, but but ideally you're doing astral travel with particular purpose. Yeah, right. Um, you're going to get a hell of a lot more out of it. I think you're. I mean, just just you know, blanket statement. You're going to get a lot more out of anything that you're actually putting intent and purpose behind, right? Yeah. Otherwise, why bother? Right. Um. So let's let's look at some of like the the maybe the more textbook kinds of definitions for these things. So dream work as a term, I think, is tricky because. You could ask seven or eight different practitioners or people who maybe specialize in this exactly what it is, and you're really probably going to get a very like a different answer each time. Mm -hmm. But in general, okay, dream work is I think a prolonged process. You're going to see a prolonged process of dream activity. Actually, like you're you're going to sleep, you're dreaming, and then at a later time documenting the uh, the imagery, the experience of the dream to ideally decipher communication that it could be originating from the subconscious mind mm -hmm. right so we see a prolonged process of dream activity and documentation to decipher communication from the subconscious okay um dream work i think is is going to primarily be used to help us to know ourselves better um it does have therapeutic applications um when utilized with other therapies mm -hmm. Um, and when done in, I think, conjunction with a, a legitimate therapist. Yes. Okay. Um, trying to apply or to, to do dream work on your own and then to try to add that to some sort of therapeutic process around, say, like maybe like trauma recovery, like trying to do that on your own, probably not a good idea. Yeah, no, that's just going to lead okay, you down um, a yeah, you, you rabbit probably, hole of crazy. Yeah, yeah, that you're, you're probably going to need someone to, to help you out a little bit with that. So, or, or I would recommend it anyway. So, all right, so lucid dreaming. Now, lucid dreaming, as you already stated, Austin, lucid dreaming is, again, going to be a bit different from something like astral travel. In, the, in, the, in a state of lucid dreaming state, you are still wholly within yourself, mm -hmm. right? So lucid dreaming is a skill that allows a limited degree of, I think, conscious influence over an active dream state, mm -hmm. right? Um, this isn't really a spiritual thing, although you could incorporate this into some sort of spiritual practice, I suppose, um, it has more to do with the brain waves, I think, in the biology 
of the individual, you know, like, like there have been studies that have been done that actually, you know, where they can record or have recorded, you know, the, the brain moves into like different wavelengths, right? Mm -hmm. As we kind of access different levels of sleep. And particularly when we get into like, say like REM sleep, where we're actually able then to kind of attain a dream state, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it has something more to do, I think, with, with, the, with the biology yeah. than rather than the spirit of our being. Um, not that those things don't overlap. Um, but lucid dreaming, um, I think, can also have therapeutic properties um, when used, again, with other therapies. Um, mm -hmm. uh, its application, I think, for spiritual work, I think, is, like, there's a real gray area around that. Like, I'm, I'm struggling to think on how something like lucid dreaming would really be of benefit to a purely spiritual practice, mainly because in the process of lucid dreaming or, or, or in doing that, the ego and the conscious mind are still enough in control of the dream experience. I mean, that's the purpose of lucid dreaming is you're mm -hmm. trying to create uh, the, or you're developing the ability to be able to consciously control and manipulate the dream state, right? And so because of that, because of the level of, of conscious thought and an influence of the conscious mind and then as a result, the ego, um, you're probably not really gonna be able to work with the dream state in a way that would uh, hinder those things, basically like, you know, like that that's kind of the benefit to some of these other processes is that you have then uh, the, you have, again, I want to see the benefit of external influences, right? If you're doing astral work, um, you know, or you're working with, say, like where you're doing dream work and the subconscious mind is fully in control, you're kind of getting what I would say would be on some level external influence to the experience, which I think can be better for spiritual work, right? Um, where lucid dreaming is kind of all about you and what you want, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, which you know, which is okay. Nothing wrong with that, right? But um, but for many people, that's not going to really be conducive to like 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 long term spiritual growth, right? Um, so, I wanted to clarify something that you said a moment ago because you you as you were explaining astral travel, and I'd like you again to kind of maybe maybe relate or to share like what the distinction here between these things. So, how would you identify the difference? Because I think a lot of people get these confused. And really, I guess if we're being completely honest, it really is, just comes down to the semantics, right? Mm -hmm. um, but how would you distinguish astral projection from astral travel? Because though they are connected, they are, I want to say, like, slightly different. They are slightly different. Um, so astral travel, most of the time, let's say if I were to astral travel... I'm going to astral travel to Wendy's house. Okay. Most of the time, if I'm doing that and I'm successful in doing it, Wendy's not going to be aware that I'm there. You know, you're not going, like, you're not going to, you might feel, you might sense that there's a different energy, but you're not going to have any usual physical reaction. Whereas if I'm projecting there, there's going to be a much more dominant physical presence. Um, when, okay. when we astral project, then that's when we see, that's when we see like, um, almost like you'd be seeing a ghost of me, I guess is the okay. only way to describe so it. I think, so you're talking about something more like, I think like by location or, um, something that could be like, say like, uh, I would almost say like psychically or telepathically influenced clairvoyance. Okay, so I again see, and this is an example. This is a perfect example of why I wanted to kind of clarify this because I think that these terms 
Because over the years, everybody that has decided to proclaim themselves an expert over these kinds of things has decided that they're going to change the vocabulary around mm -hmm. this shit, right? <clears throat> but, you know, but looking at this specifically, and I guess, again, to kind of go back and clarify or to kind of, um, you know, uh, solve some, some of the confusion here. So projection is, as, as this skill is developed and taught, projection is the component of astral work that allows us to actually separate ourselves mm -hmm. from the conscious mind or in some traditions and beliefs that allows us to separate kind of like that, that the fetch, that component of our soul mm -hmm. um, that is, you know, that, that we can, that we can send out and, and away to other places and to other experiences and still remain fully living within our physical form, right? Um, so we see astral projection as the process that we utilize to be able to kind of send ourselves out, mm -hmm. okay? Whereas the travel is kind of what happens after that, right? Yeah, I've got, I've got dead eyes coming from you, no? I, I would guess, I don't know, it's always been, it's always been one of those things hard, that's, that's hard for me, because I, I project and travel just, just, it's just what I do. And so I guess, like you said, it does come down to semantics. Yeah. Um, so projection is the pre-travel. Basically, so projection is, I think the astral projection is going to be, and there are so many ways to do this, right? Astral projection, I think, is going to be a good term to apply to the process that we utilize to give ourselves or to put ourselves in that kind of that liminal, that in-between space, mm -hmm. right? Where we are then able to... Uh, do other things, right? And astral projection, just to, to again, to kind of clarify a little bit, astral projection doesn't always have to be something that is done in conjunction or, or in connection to travel work, right? Um, that that trance-like state that we often seek when we're trying to do particular, like other types of spiritual work, right? That, in essence, is also astral projection. Mm -hmm. We are doing what we can to try to send you know, or to, to access a slightly different level or to send a part of ourselves into a slightly different level of being and awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And we may not even do any astral work after that, right? After that, we might be doing spell work or maybe healing work or, I mean, it could be anything, right? Um, but we need to be able to kind of, like, we need to kind of get into that crossroads state, right? Or that liminal state, you know? And that would be, I think, something that we would see kind of following, like, okay, this is a projection as a practice, Okay, where we then see beyond that, like, okay, now I'm, I'm going to go to this place, right? I'm going to find myself here. I'm going to send myself, you know, that would be where we would see travel kind of coming in, right? So I guess, so again, this, that's the distinction that I'm trying to make, I guess. So thank you for drawing attention to the fact that that is very confusing for a lot of people, including the people in this room. You're welcome. Um, okay. All right. So let's talk about the astral realm. Okay, so Austin, which what, what is the well, well? That's a very good point. Okay, so okay, so you know the way that you say that, which one, right? Okay, so but let's let's talk about at least for the sake of discussion, and because we don't want to be here for three hours. Okay, let's talk about just the the like in general, like you know, like like the entirety. Like, how would you define to anybody listening what the astral realm is? Like, what is the astral realm? And I don't mean just based on your experience. I'm talking about like, you know, lots and lots of different practices and things. The astral realm is the realm that is, it's almost. It's a realm that's astral. astral. Um, Somehow I knew you were going to go there. Okay. <laughs> no, um, I wasn't going to go there, but then you went there. And Emphasis I on the ass. Um, go on. 
So it's the astral realm is the realm that is constantly surrounding us. Um, that some people would also refer to as the spirit realm. Okay. Um, and, and this is my experience and what I've seen from various other cultures, practices, and traditions. It's the realm that just lays over top of us. It's almost like the energetic structure of the world around us, minus okay. the physical structure. Okay. If that makes any fucking sense. Well, I think it does. I mean, you and you talk about this, like the, the words that you're using, you talk about how this is something that is always around us. But I also think that this is one of those kinds of things, like it's not just around us, but it's something that also kind of weaves through. Yes. Like I think in, in describing the concept of the astral realm, particularly in the perspective of traditional witchcraft, you know, we see the astral realm in concepts like, say, like the bone ladder, mm -hmm. right? Where we see something that kind of runs through like everything else. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, it's kind of like the, the connecting piece between all of the other things, mm -hmm. right? Like, cause we talk about that, you know, we talk about different realms of consciousness, different realms of existence. You know, we talk about say like the levels of, of existence that we find deities inhabiting as opposed to say maybe creatures like the Fae, mm -hmm. right? Other kinds of consciousnesses, other kinds of beings, you know, and the astral realm is something that kind of runs through all of these, all of that. right? Which is, I think is why when we're in the astral realm, like, pretty much just about anything is kind of possible mm -hmm. at least in our experience right yeah so okay so would you would you agree yeah i agree with that okay All that's right. that's what i was trying to say i'm just not as loquacious as that okay thank you i guess um all right, so what are some things and this is where maybe i want to get your personal take what are some things that you've noticed about the astral realm like its nature maybe certain things that are like are likely to occur i guess just that maybe just the nature of the astral realm the nature of the astral realm is i almost it ugh, it's ethereal it's primal it's it is everything and nothing all at the same time it okay. is it is so odd to try and describe it um just with the experiences that i've had because anything is possible there like you said yeah. you know uh, it knowing how to get there is just one facet of how you can experience it and then it's where else are you gonna go okay. you know if i'm gonna go and uh try and find i don't know my guides in the astral most of the time your guides are always just kind of bebopping around you yeah um but if i'm going to go and specific specifically look for um Let's just say William, the shop spirit. Okay. You know, I have to be familiar enough with that energy that I can find that tie and that tether and follow it. Yeah. I can't just go, okay, I'm going to just decide that I'm going to go to John Doe's house mm. without not knowing how to feel that energy, without okay. not knowing yeah. what that familiarity is. Yeah. Um, it is not a place where you're just going to be meandering about and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Hades is going to pop up and be like, hey, let's have a drink. That's just not how that's going to yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I do not believe that if you see a mirror in the astral realm that it's a danger, Will Robinson danger situation. <laughs> what I, is it? It's always mirrors. Why are people so terrified of mirrors? I like think it's, some... I, I think it stems from ancestral fears and superstitions because... 
you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, mirrors were scary. Well, I understand that. You know? I, guess, I guess I was I was kind of speaking rhetorically. Like, but, I, I can understand based on superstition why people are fearful of mirrors. You know? But, but, but we, also on a subconscious level, yeah. it's kind of like when you see or hear your own voice, it's offsetting. Because hmm. on a subconscious level, you know that's your voice, but it's not you speaking at that point in time. Oh. It's like that experience I have in the morning where, like, I'm brushing my teeth and that guy on the other side of the room is also brushing his teeth to mock me. I yes, hate that's that the guy. mirror. I hate that guy. So, um, but that that's that's where I think that comes from. But, like, the astral realm, for as much as people like to say it's extremely dangerous, that's mm-hmm. not been well, my well, entire experience. Okay, well, okay. It is dangerous, but it's not, like... Oh, don't go there unless you have 500,000 wards of protection and you've evoked Archangel Michael to protect you with his flaming sword and also make sure Hecate's there so that she can make sure... Because honestly, these spirits don't give a fuck about that. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit, okay? Because in, in asking you that question and in, in asking you to kind of expound on that a little bit. Okay. So what do we see? You know, let, let, well, here. Okay. So we'll just, we'll just kind of go through like maybe like a short list. So does time exist in the astral realm? Not really. At least, at least not in the baby we Yeah, like not like linear. Right? Okay. So what about things like like physical space? Which is kind of an interesting one, right? Because obviously the astral realm is a space, mm-hmm. right? But when you look at, say, our concept of physical space in like a mortal, like physical kind of sense. Like, mm, I, don't, I don't think that would exist. I, I, it's not been my experience that exists yeah. there. Because I can, when I've, when I've done astral work, I, I can shape shift and change my shape. Yeah. Um, but then I guess then yes, the physical shape does exist there. Well, I also mean I guess I guess that, because that is true because you, you, shape shifting is is possible in the astral realm, um, and it's sometimes necessary to be able to navigate the astral realm. But I guess what I what I was meaning by that is, um, like you know, if I want to get from point A to point B in uh, in like waking day, like I need to walk across a certain space, oh. and and in the astral realm, that no. kind of physical distance is something that that is really like that's not really an, an issue. No, it's not. Like, you can, you know, like, in the astral state, or an astral state, you can think of a place and, like, you're there. Yeah, as long as you're right. aware of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Dr. Sleep. So, I, I would say, yeah, yeah, Dr. Sleep, yeah, the depictions of astral travel in, in the film Dr. Sleep were, for me, in watching that film, some of that was, like, very spot on. Yeah, I was like, oh. I was like, shit, whoever wrote this... Like has whoever, like, has done this. Like, they have, they, they, or they've researched this really, really well. Um, yeah. So, okay. So, so would it be fair to say then just, just kind of again, and this is like, you know, very general, you know, obviously there's, there's probably a lot of, you know, exception and nuance to this, but would would you say just general statement that the physical laws of nature that we understand and deal with as physical mortal beings, that they, they kind of really like, they don't really hold as much influence on the astral. Yeah, they don't really do anything. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you have, sorry, you have the initial, like, you know. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction kind of thing there. You know, you can't mm-hmm. just walk up to the pretty looking thing that you see and then poke it or not expect it to not respond. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's just yeah, like that's fair. yeah, yeah. You're not a ghost in the astral realm. Like you're mm-hmm. not, as you are aware and noticing things in the astral realm, you are also being being, being noticed seen by other are, things. Yeah. yeah. So let so let's talk about that a little bit because you mentioned a moment ago that the astral realm is not really a dangerous place. You know, but I I know we've both, you and I both mm-hmm. have had experiences it's, where we've traveled, through, you know, we've been doing astral travel work and we've either maybe 
I like okay, so I'll I'll relate a personal experience. Okay, so I at one point was attempting to utilize the astral realm to basically to gain dirt or information on someone that I was going to do a working against. Okay, and um, oh, I helped you for for good reason. For good reason, this person was a slime ball sexual predator. They do deserved everything I I did to him. Okay, um, and and more. Okay, but uh, but in the process of trying to dig a little bit and to get more information about this dude and utilizing the astral realm as a part as a part of that, um, it it I I did have an experience where I went somewhere and there was I could only I could only describe it as I would say maybe like some sort of guardian yeah you know uh, spirit like a you know yeah that that kind of caught me at trying to basically to access or to gain knowledge that I probably shouldn't you know I wasn't supposed to have you know. And to be clear, that guardian spirit, it was not about trying to protect this this sexual predator. It was like, I, you know, it had nothing to do with him. It was like, there are certain rules in place and you're not allowed to have information or you're not allowed to access information in this mm-hmm. way. You know, and so, and I remember being chased, basically being chased out of the astral plane by that guardian. Like that thing was like, like, okay, you, you kind of broke the rules now, you know, now we have to mm-hmm. do something, you know? And I remember like coming back out of that state and even like, you know, waking up, like sitting up and like couldn't breathe, you know, like, and scaring the shit out of Chris, you know, like, you know, yeah. So, I mean, so, so there are presences, I guess in relating that story, what I'm trying to say is there are presences, there are other kinds of spirits, other kinds of beings in the astral realm that are capable of harming us. Yes. Uh, I, when I said that it's not dangerous, what I, what I what I should have said is it's not something that should be feared or approached with fear. Um, yeah. Because, yes, there are things that are dangerous there, but there are things that are dangerous in life. There, hell, yeah. doing a money spell could be dangerous if you don't know what the fuck yeah. you're doing, you know? But, actually, I don't believe that. Eh. Well, um, I think it would be it would be safe to say it would be there, there it would be similar to the concept of like I get up in the morning I leave my house yeah to drive to work I go out I walk down the street and you know and and there are who knows like any of a number of other random people walking down the street exactly and it's not that any of them necessarily are inclined to harm me mm-hmm. but there's always a little bit of risk exactly who knows, yeah? you know and so so that's what I well, that's how I what I should have said but yeah I've, I've had those experiences too where I've been someplace where I'm not supposed to be and have been chased out or and woke up. And sometimes, and, and you'll know this as well, if your astral self sustains some sort of damage, then your physical body can also, like, resemble that. It can mirror it. Okay. Yeah. Well... Yes, I, I would agree with you. Well, like, yeah, but... e- example, me going through the astral realm, something nipped at my heel, mm-hmm. and I wake up, and then, like, kind of, like, for the first couple hours of that day, like, my heel feels like there's a sharp like, stabbing like pain. You, you've got a wound. Yes. Like, you're bruised, or, like, it's like okay, yeah. Yeah, because that, that's kind of been my experience, too. Yeah, like, I'm like, not saying, you know, like, you know, your arm breaks in the astral realm, and you wake up, and your yeah, arm's... Yeah, your arm is broken. Yeah, like, yeah, it's you not might, Harry yeah, Potter you might have some bruising. And I think that that's one of the things that actually can, can relate, um, or one of the possible explanations for a lot of, like, like the, the unknown or unexplainable injuries that mm-hmm. people get, right? Like, I've had a number of experiences with people over the years where they've, you know, they've come to see me and they're like, I, I have, like, bruising here. 
Like, I wake up in the morning, and I've got, like, bruising here, mm-hmm. and I can't explain it, and it's happened repeatedly. And through talking with some of those people in the process of doing a consultation or a reading, you know, it's kind of come up, like, well, you, you, you astral travel quite a bit, and, you know, and... You know, and we we're able to kind of piece that together. It's like something maybe happened to you in this other state, mm-hmm. and now in your physical body is registering this mm-hmm. in this way. Um, I'm not saying that's always what's explaining that that kind of situation, but but I've, I've seen that that is mm-hmm. the case here and there. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of the superstitions around astral travel and the astral plane because I think there there are a lot, and I I remember even like my grandmother when I was very little telling me some of these. Okay, but. What about the concept of, and I think anybody who does enough research, particularly into older kinds of texts and mm-hmm. information around astral travel work, you're going to find the concept of the silver thread. Yeah. Right? In some stories, I think it's a gold thread, yeah. but I, I, I see here see silver thread more Or frequently. thread of light. Exactly. Yes, or a thread of light, you know, that is supposed to be the tether between the part of you that goes off to travel and your physical body, yeah. right? And I've heard stories over the years, or, I've, or I should say I've, I've had interactions with people over the years who have been told that that thread can be severed or that um, if something were to happen to that silver thread that you wouldn't be able to find your way back to your body. And it's been my experience that that's bullshit. I would say that there might be a little bit of validity to that. Can you explain why? Well, I do believe that we do have a tether to our body. But I also... Oh, yes. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. But I also believe that that tether is very strong. And if that tether was to be severed, you would still be able to find your way back simply because you are aware of your physical body. You know mm-hmm. what your physical body feels like. Yeah. On top of that, you have your entire... Your guides and all the other spirits that surround you that will ensure that that doesn't happen. On top of that, that cord is, from my experience, it is like con- concentrated ethereal energy. It, it is literally a physical thread that ties you to your body, and it, it's, it's pretty damn near impossible to sever. The only spirit that I would even think would have the capability to sever that would be a god or a goddess. But why would they do that? That would make no sense. You know? Yeah. Because in doing that, that might also sever your connection to them. So, I do believe, like, 99.9% that it is bullshit. But I also see the validity in that fear. Okay. All right. Um, okay, I'm trying to think of how to maybe maybe follow up with my next question based on your answer there. Okay, so... Well, you know, that's okay. All right, so what about other things? One of the other things, and this is where I mentioned that my grandmother used to always tell me this as a child because it became clear fairly early on that I was astral traveling mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, and having conscious memory of my astral travel experience as well. I would, in the morning, I'd sit and I'd tell my mom about the weird shit that I had done the night before in my dreams. Um, you know, but I would have information that was like, okay, like, this is verifiable. We can prove this. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. this is what this place looks like. This is, you know, um, yeah. And so, um, but I remember my grandmother always telling me that, like, it was always a good idea to have an uncomplete or an incomplete project. Yep. Or something in your life to kind of help 
you maybe to find your way back. Yeah. And I always thought that was an odd thing because, again, it's been my experience that, like, it's really, to be honest, it's going to be really difficult for you to, like, I, I would say it's almost impossible for you not to, to be able to find your way back. Yeah. But I could see situations that I remember having an experience years ago and I was as I was doing healing work for a client who was... Um, very close to death. We'll just say this person was very close to death, you know, and, and the healing work that we were doing at the time was really primarily just meant to help facilitate like pain relief. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, they, they knew they were going to die and there was no problem. They had found peace with that, you know, um, but in accessing or in, in this person going into like, say like trance states or altered states feeling, um, actually like feeling like they're them disconnecting from their body you know, and then having to like do something, you know, like having to like check not only myself, but in that moment working with their spirits, their guardians and actually like asking like, is this it? Like, should I just, is it okay to let them go? You mm -hmm. know, you know, and you know, and then having that moment of almost, of almost like panic, like, oh shit, like, like am I gonna sh call should I, ambulance? should I just, is it time? Yeah. You know, um, you know, and then depending on what kind of information I got back, then like, okay, like this, you know, um, you know, but, but I've had situations, or I've seen situations where depending on the circumstances, th that person, um, there are, I think, situations where somebody could. Yes. Get lost. Yes. You know, um, well, I, I, I personally have had those experiences and I think, uh, and this is not to say that all these things, all what I'm going to say is that, but I will say that, um, uh, psychotic breaks. Yeah, the, the, another example. Yeah, something that would maybe not necessarily be life and death. Yeah, but yes, yeah, something that's going to place that person in a very different state of consciousness. Yes. Yeah. Um, when I was in my first, my my very first long term relationship, um, we were together for like a year and a half. Basically, huge story, breakup, horrible things, bad things. Um, and basically, what ended up happening was I was in my first year of college. I was working full time. I was taking 19 credits. I was stressed. I was, I was, I was around, about ready to break anyway. And this breakup just kind of pushed me over the hedge. And I did have a break. I had a mental break. And eventually, you know, I got, to, I went to the doctor, everything got balanced out. Everything was good. Um, but what ended up happening was I felt so scattered and my abilities were so amped up and fragile. Like at one point I was, I was in a voice lesson and I forgot how to sing. And I'd been classically trained since I've been, since I was 11 years old. And it's like, I just stood up to like do the warm ups and what okay. is singing, you okay. know? Yeah. And I just couldn't do it. And so eventually through the work of my high priestess in the coven I was in, we, we had to do some pretty intense soul retrieval. And by doing soul retrieval and finding those little bits of myself that was kind of scattered throughout the astral realm mm -hmm. and pulling those back and doing intense healing work to piece me back together or piece that, that back together for me, I gained a lot more control. It was, it was months and months and months and months of hard, hard work, but I did it. Um, I was also seeing a therapist and psychologist. Okay. Time. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, I coupled. It was a perfect example of coupling the mundane with the spiritual. Okay. Um, and so, so I have experienced that. 
it wouldn't necessarily be the severing of a, of the silver thread like we were okay. talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess yeah, because I mean that's 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 I, I say that we that would be kind of a different situation. Yes, right, in that you were not. Um, and actually, you know, to be honest, I guess that's actually maybe that's good a good thing to clarify because understanding these things with how they work, the fact that you would potentially, as you were just explaining, the fact that you would potentially maybe lose mm-hmm. or see a piece of yourself maybe get lost, an aspect of yourself get lost in the astral realm, that doesn't mean that you die. No, of course not. not a physical death no. in that moment, right? You Mm-mm. just kind of, you can kind of feel like yeah. something, something's missing. You yeah. know, like, yeah. You, you know, feel like, a little like, bit off. Yeah. Um, an, another an, another example, and this is, this still happens to this day, where like if you're doing heavy, intense astral work and then you come back and mm-hmm. you wake up for the day and you're not fully like back back. Yeah. And you're still just kind of like partway there. Mm-hmm. It's like a good like fifteen minute grounding session to like yeah. pull yourself yeah. back and get yourself back aligned. Yeah. Um, or you might just be bebopping around the rest of the day, like in and out a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Which happens to me if I'm in a bad if I'm in a bad flare if I'm in a bad vibro flare I'm because it's an it's an easy way to cope with pain. Yeah, that's true. It, it would be comparable almost like to disassociation, yep. I guess. Yeah, but um. But obviously, you know, different. Yes. Um, okay. All right. Why Why would astral travel work? Why would this kind of work be of benefit to us in our spiritual practice? What What is to be gained, I guess? Power. Okay. All right. Power. But power through through what means? Power through knowledge, through learning. Okay. Through, through growth. Okay. Um, because in the astral realm, it's almost like anything is possible. When when you're bebopping around the astral realm and you're getting into a conflict, it's not just your fists that you have as weapons. If you're working really thoroughly and you're pulling in energy, you can hurl energy balls. You can hurl lightning bolts at these things that are happening. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you talk about power gained through knowledge, gained through experience, right? Which is very much how I think a lot of our practice uh, and, and experience as witch, witches, and well, not just witches, but any kind of spiritual practitioner, right? Um, that, that's how a lot of that works, right? Like we have the benefit of, of learning and growing through, you know, like, like good old fashioned book learning. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but we do eventually need to get to a point where we, we kind of get a little more practical or we create other opportunity to be able to learn and grow. And that's going to primarily be through, you know, diving in, right. The experience. So, yes. So what about utilizing something like astral travel work and, and frequenting some place? And I know you'll know what I'm talking about here because you're utilizing this in the class that you're teaching right now. Okay, but actually creating a space or continuing to visit a space within the astral realm that would be kind of like an agreed upon meeting point for, say, like particular spiritual allies, right? Yes. Like we, we, we see the concepts of things like astral temples yes. or places that you can go. Even within the mythologies and the, the folklore of, of our own coven tradition, we have concepts of like the Benevento. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, actually was a physical space. Yeah. There's a physical place, Benevento, you know, but the concept of like the grove or mm-hmm. of the sacred walnut tree yeah. and the work in particular that witches would do. They would gather mm-hmm. 
through astral travel work, though they refer to it as spirit flight, you know, but that's what that is, astral travel work. And they would go, and there was a purpose. There was a reason that was a gathering place. Mm -hmm. You always knew, like, I'm going to go here because this is a place I know I, for one, I'll be safe. Mm -hmm. For two, I'll be able to meet and communicate with spiritual allies. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so what's your take on that? I mean, I, because I could see that could be something that could be um, invaluable to... Most this. definitely. I, I very much... I, I love that because for the longest time, you know, after I left the last coven I was in, before joining Family Coven, um, a lot of my work was done on the astral realm. Like, yeah, I had my physical realm. I had my physical space where I had my altar and stuff. But where I went and met and mingled with my spirit allies is there. It, it's a particular place that I have constructed in the astral realm for me. Okay. And the only way to get in is if you are someone who's close to me like you. Um, or Are we close? Oh. Well, I mean, you're kind of my husband. So. Yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Um, so, so, so like you or other coven members. Um, or if you have the key and the only way you're going to get that key is if i pass it to you via initiation yeah there's there's only one way yeah. to get it yeah. um and no your spirits can't get it no your gods loki you can't send loki to get it for from me yeah because it's been my experience actually that the deities in those kinds of consciousness yeah, I don't give a consciousnesses shit. they don't really seem to care a no, lot about kind of the machinations of humans, particularly nope. when it comes to the astral realm. Nope. You know, like they are there as yeah. well. I've, I've had experiences where I've, I felt an energy. I was like, that's, that's a God. Like, yeah. shit, I'm not messing with that. Um, you know, uh, but also, um, they don't really seem to, to really get too mm -hmm. caught up, you know? No. It's not, it's not, I would, I would, I would almost say it's like that they don't care, but that's not really it. It's, it's not, not that they, they don't, don't care. care. It's, I just think it's just not it's something, important to them. Like you, you look at a situation like that, you know, you look at a spirit that has, um, that is such a, a different kind of energy, you know? And it's like, it's, they're, they're kind of like, like I prioritize other things. Well, it's, like, it's also, not... it's their <clears throat> gods and goddesses are the epitome of sovereignty. Yeah, that's true. It's like, they're kind of like, they're wholly comfortable and kind of like, like I'm just doing my own thing. Yeah. And if, if they know for a fact, like, oh, I could just wipe this off like that if I need to. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to because you're just a little mortal and you're insignificant yeah really. yeah it's like it's but not really worth it yeah you're a, like, you're yeah. you're a speck of dust and that which is the universe well you know and i mean i want to I say you know to, to kind of maybe i'm not trying to contradict you but i want to say like as humans you know we are a form of life we also we we have value mm -hmm. we are we are very powerful as as spiritual life forms you know and, and i don't mean powerful in the context of what we identify as power Holy in the phenomenal cosmic sense, power right? i'm not talking about that you know but we we are we are worthy life forms we are worthy you know, although I could say we we could certainly be doing a lot more we to be worthier. Be a lot I'll more say better, that. A lot better. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so I want to sidebar a moment because you mentioned something, and I wanted to see if this would be something that would come up in our episode tonight. Okay, you talked about an altar. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'm not talking like again like altar in the context of like astral temple altar. I'm yeah. talking like your physical like in your home. Yeah. Altar where you keep your tools and you do your work mm -hmm. and all this you know all the, your witch work whatever you know all these other things you do your rituals and your spells right. In a lot of traditional, uh, what am I trying to say? In a lot of witchcraft traditions, okay, and you'll have to forgive me, I don't know if this is the case with Wicca or not, because I don't really consider Wicca traditional witchcraft. Okay, but. because it's not. But, 
Um, you know, not, there's anything wrong with Wicca. There isn't. There's nothing wrong with Wicca, but uh, but it's not traditional witchcraft. And um, you know, and so, but but in a lot of traditional witchcraft uh, practice, um, there is kind of an understanding or a belief that your working altar, particularly your working altar, is kind of raised or is meant to be a space that would be kind of like a door that would kind of run between yes. realms, right? Yes, that's the same like for you, you have the physical altar, but the energy of the altar itself is kind of meant to be something that moves between realms of consciousness and existence, right? Yes. So your physical altar in that sense would be something that would actually be a space for you within, say, something like the astral realm. Yes. That could be something you could utilize yes, as, a landmark. A, as an anchor. Yep. Or, yes, or exactly, as a landmark. Okay, cool. Okay, I wanted to, I just wanted to kind of the, say... The, 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 uh, a way that I think about it is it is... It's home base. Okay. okay. Uh, that's the way I was taught by my nonna and okay. by my, my all of the high priestesses okay. I've ever worked with. Okay. Um, it's, it's home base. Um, which is, there are people who firmly believe that keeping your working altar or an altar of sorts in your, like, sleeping space is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Which is strange to me because mine's only ever been in my, in, in, in my bedroom. Okay. Because my bedroom yeah. is my space. Yeah. And it yeah. makes sense to me that yeah. my altar should be in my space. Mm -hmm. So, but that's one of the reasons why I love having my altar in my space is because that is home base, not just for me on an astral spiritual realm that is home base for me on a physical realm mm -hmm. that space is where i go if i am feeling overwhelmed that is where i go if i need to just check in even okay. with just hecate yeah. you know or or just with my ancestors that's where i go and so it's built up this charge and it is safe okay and it's so easy when you're in the astral realm if you've worked that way to just go I just need to go home. I need home base. Okay. And yeah. there you are, right back at your altar. All right. Okay, I can see that. I can see that being really, in, in, in slightly different ways, I can see that being true of other altars as well. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about the different heights of altars mm -hmm. that we can maintain. Well, most altars um, are gateways, would be utilized as a gateway to yeah. those particular realms. Yeah. So, you know, if you have an altar that is just all about fire, then that would be a way to access of the realm of fire if you have okay. your ancestral altar that would be an easy way to access the realm of the dead yeah, yeah. if you have you know an altar to hecate and it's just for hecate you're not working any magic there it's just to honor honor her mm -hmm. then that is going to be a direct tie to be able to go to in some hecatean traditions okay. what would be known as the starry road okay so, so that would be, or, or maybe perhaps like the crossroads, right? Yes. So that would be, so would it be, it would be fair maybe in, in other terms to say like your altar really in essence, at least as it relates to these kinds of things, your altar really is also meant to kind of serve as a door. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Which is also where we see things like knocking on your altar to wake it up. In some traditions, yes. Yep. I, I think the knocking on the altar, I, I'm not, I, I'm just being personally, I'm not behind the knocking on the altar thing, but, um, you know, but I, that's just for me. Right? It, it, it depends <clears throat> for me. So, all right. So we, we've talked a lot about what it is, what some of these things are, how, you know, the nature of, of the astral realm. What would you, what kind of tips or what kind of, um, what would you recommend to people who are, are noticing 
that maybe that they have this ability, but they want to maybe fine tune this or gain greater control over it. Or maybe people who are just maybe just looking to develop this, maybe they don't know if they can do it or not, but they will so they certainly want to want to try. Mm -hmm. Right. What would you recommend? Are there practices? Are there things that people can do to basically to, to kind of make the most of this? Yes. So the, the first thing is to make sure that you already have a good grounding practice down, right? Make okay. sure you're already doing that. Why? So in, in this, okay, because I, th I think it, it's good for us to clarify that. So because we've talked so much about this process as a, like a, a detachment, you know, mm -hmm. like you're sending a part of yourself away. Why would grounding be of relevance? Why would grounding be so important in this situation? Because that's one of, if you're aware of how to do that, then that one, grounding is how you cycle energy. That's how you kind of create that circuit of energy, right? Okay. But also grounding will make sure that it is easier to get back to where you need to go. Okay. By doing the process of grounding before detaching, you are basically saying, okay, this is my anchor. This is my space. This is where I'm at. And then when you detach, it's, again, it's that silver thread concept. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so grounding. Okay. Yes. Okay, so so that that is a good, uh, I would say like a good additional practice to establish for a mm -hmm. number of reasons. Okay, but in the process of actually developing skill with projection slash travel, what what would you maybe recommend to people? Start with places that you are familiar with. Okay, and the reason I say start with places, images, or things that you're familiar with, whether that place is real or not, um, is because you're familiar with it. It'll be easier for you to wrap your mind around that. Okay. Um, you know, let's say you have a favorite painting of a of a meadow, you know, and it's really pretty and you have it in your living room and you're like, oh, I just wish I could go there. Mm -hmm. Go there. Stare okay. at that. Okay. Really take into account the detail and allow yourself to start building that in your mind. And as you detach, make your intention clear that I'm going to travel to here. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, to, okay. So to expand on that a little bit, okay. Just to kind of actually like help, I think with the, the practical piece there. Okay. So one of the things that I have found helpful along the lines of what you were just saying is as you are going to bed, right? Cause mm -hmm. it's, it's always the, I think the easiest time. It's not that you need to do this at bedtime, but, uh, but that seems to be one of the easiest times I think to do this because you're, everything's just quieter. Yes. I think most of us are able to, I think, get to an easier state energetically mm -hmm. mentally to be able to do astral work in you know uh at night uh so but as you're laying there i say as you're going to bed um you know and i do recommend if you want to practice if you want to develop skill around this don't don't try to do this when you're just totally exhausted yeah. like it's kind of like meditation like you really don't want to try to get into it into meditation when you are just exhausted, like you are passing out tired because yeah. that's what you're going to do. You're going to, you're going to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, then any experience you have after that, you will either remember as only a dream or you just won't remember at all. Exactly. So, so, uh, but to, to lay there and to be very focused, like to hold an image in your mind and to try to conjure within yourself through anything like what okay i'm going to this place this is where i want to be i'm going to travel to this place i've i've even found it helpful to incorporate the other senses as well mm -hmm. like i've i've i know a lot of people have had a lot of success you know say they want to 
travel to somewhere where there's going to maybe be a lot of water, mm-hmm. right, in that space, you know, for them to maybe get an app, like a Sleep Sounds app on their phone and actually play mm-hmm. water that would sound like maybe like ocean waves yeah. or, or like the rush of a river, that can be very helpful mm-hmm. to focus that energy, right, mm-hmm. to be able to help you connect. Yeah. Um, I find it's really good if you're going to do this to also make sure that you have a fairly... I guess it doesn't need to be an intense emotional connection, but some sort of emotional connection to that place. You know, that's one of the conversations I've had with a lot of people who have experienced frustration in developing their ability with astral travel work is they, you know, they want to go to, you know, they want to travel to uh, the Colosseum in Rome. Right. You know, and one of the first things that I ask those people, you know, because they're usually like, I haven't been able to get it. I haven't had an experience that's confirmed I've been able to do that. You know, and in response, the first thing I usually say is, what kind of emotional connection do you have to, say, the Colosseum, let alone Rome, Mm -hmm. you know, or Italy? Like, what is your association? What is your emotional connection here? You know, um, and, you know, and a lot of those people are like, oh, well, you know, it's just someplace cool I thought you know like it's different it kind of stands out right like it's you know it's like one of the wonders of the world I just thought you know you know and so I usually tell those people like you know like you 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 really you probably need to to pick a place that you're gonna go even if that place is something as simple as like your grandmother's living room you know I mean that is again someplace that you're very familiar with exactly that is still going to be much better for you or a much better focus for you you know, and make sure that if you're looking at or if you're gonna fall back on an association like that, make sure it's a positive one, right? Like you don't want to try to focus on visiting a place or, or or navigating to a place through the astral realm if that is a place that has had traumatic association yeah. for you. It's not that you can't do that, but as you're learning and developing this ability, that's probably not the good way to start. Yeah, I know. Um, so okay, are there other tips like practical, like try this kinds of things that you would maybe su- suggest to people? Um, visualization is a big thing. Okay. You know? Yes. Um, it, it is, it is a huge thing when it comes to this because you need to be able to visualize where you're going. A lot of people struggle with visualization and I get that, but that's because individuals think that they're doing it wrong. They think that they're doing it wrong and there's not really a wrong way to visualize. I will say this, um, if you're going to visualize, understand that it is your imagination with intention and focus. And that's going to be the, the biggest thing that's going to help with that. Uh, other practical things that can really help start with short periods of time. You know, don't try and decide that you're going to and even short distances even even though distance doesn't mean much on the astral realm to your physical body and your physical mind it does mm-hmm. um so start with 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 that start with a good time set a timer on your phone for heck start out with five minutes and allow yourself to get into that liminal space and when that timer or that alarm goes off let it bring you back and then start again um there are some things that a lot of people describe feeling when they first experience this a lot of people will will feel like uh the vibrations like they feel almost like their body is vibrating um i've had several teachers of mine who would always say like well roll out roll away from your body because a lot of people automatically think up you know let's float 
Um, but that physical sensation we have of knowing that we can like roll out of bed or roll over, um, we're very familiar with that because we do that pretty much every day. Having that physical sensation to kind of direct that separation from the physical body also really, really helps. So yeah, those are some practical ways that I think um, could help, you know. Okay. Relating the sense of dis disconnecting from the body from a physical sense. You know, All right. Like rolling yeah. to the side um, or trying to do that. Okay. Incorporating all senses is something that I also do okay. or teach. All right. Well, I, I mean, the reason I want to do, I, you know, I, we always want to try to make sure we provide some information that is practical in nature for the people that are, that are listening, you know, so that they can then kind of, you know, do this for themselves, right, is kind of the idea. But I mean, it is, it does bear saying, you know, that, that there is this practice like so many others there is no one right way yeah to this there's no one way to do this okay or right method you know and so i find that astral work is um it can be like a lot of other spiritual process spiritual processes excuse me spiritual processes it can be a kind of a trial and error yes. kind of a thing right where you know you, you need to try one thing you know you see how it goes if it works for you wonderful if not try something else you know, a lot of people, I think they try to do these these kinds of things and they get frustrated because they try one or two techniques and it doesn't work. And they tell themselves like, oh, I guess this just isn't something I can do, you know. Um, and, you know, and all I can say is that persistence does pay off when you're dealing with anything on a spiritual level. Dedication and persistence are going to pay off in some sense. Okay? Yes. Um, so tr don't be afraid to try a number of ways to, to be successful at this. There are, you know, rather than listing off a whole bunch of other stuff, I just want to say there are a lot of resources out there yeah. online. You know, you can Google astral travel, you know, exercises, mm -hmm. and you're going to find a whole bunch of information. A lot of it, being completely honest, a lot of it is going to be bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, but you will find good information. You will find things that are, are going to work for you sooner or later at some point. So, yeah. All right. Well, one one of the things, and I and I talked about this a little bit earlier, is there seems to be a common feel when you're about to disconnect from the body. That's almost like vibration. Um, okay. Or like a static, almost. Okay. So is it a physical thing, or is yeah. it like an energetic thing? Like, is it something you? Like, I, I yes. guess, how, how to word the this? answer so is, yes. is, is it a body sense or is it something that it's, would be... It's a body sense almost. It's almost okay. like the, um, uh, like the pins and needles that you feel when you're, when you're like foot falls asleep and you're trying to like wake it up. Okay. All right. Okay. That's cool. been a common. Okay. But not, but not necessarily unpleasant. No. Or uncomfortable, right? No. Because I mean, for me, that pins and needles thing is not necessarily a pleasant kind of a sensation, but. No, it's just kind of like a, like the only way I can describe it when I have felt it is like a like static on a TV okay okay all right oh I know one thing I wanted to talk about earlier and I and I got distracted with our conversation on this um, but going back to the concept of superstitions around astral travel work I've had a lot of people tell me that they have done astral work and then they have been followed home by something or that they have brought back something and it's been my experience that I'm not saying that it doesn't happen or can't happen, but it's been my experience that that is um, really not very common 
Like, that is something that is really not likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. What, what's your take on that? I think it's not something that's going to happen commonly, but it is something that I do believe can happen, okay. you know? Um, and normally it's not it's not going to be the D word. It's not going to be anything like the that. The D word? Yes, demon. Um, yes, demon. No, yes. it's more, more or less going to be... Um, something more along the lines of like a, like almost parasitic or just kind of like a just like a clinger kind of how like you can walk through you can walk through like a spider web just in the house and you can feel that something's there but you can't necessarily see it and you just kind of run into it um, so I have experienced that and I experience it more with people who astral project or, or astral travel and they don't know you know, okay. um, or people who are just kind of starting to get into that um, that place. I, I find it also happens a lot with people who have repressed any psychic or mediumistic skills that they have. And then because they start astral projecting, because that's what the body lock wants to do, um, there's just an energy about psychic mediums that certain spirits and energies kind of like go, oh, you know me. Uh, you see okay. me. Yeah, I can and, see that. And they like to try and follow you back. But I think most of that is, um, I don't think it's that they're following you back as much as they're already there. They're already existing on that plane, on that level of existence. Yeah. And now you're just aware of it. Okay. Right. Um, it's it's, it's, it's kind of like if there's a spot on the wall that is just off-colored, and you don't really notice it until someone with better eyes points it out, then that's all you see. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And that's okay. that's how it feels like with, like, astral astral clingers, I guess. Okay. Uh, I, call, I call them clingers. Um, so, like, parasitic entities. Right? Yeah. Because we, we talk about that a little bit, I think, in looking at, like, the different kinds of spiritual energies that can be problematic for people, you know? And so we see, um, you know... You know, issues where, and I, and I would say that is one thing I've seen where you know people will sometimes pick up a parasitic kind of an energy, yeah, in the astral because you're running into or encountering potentially like any of a, of a number of different kinds of spirits, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think we also, we if we're being completely honest around the context or the concept of parasitic entities, parasitic entities are always they're they're not always they're really they're not always even harmful. I think no. I've come across a few over the years. Where they, you know, and, and a parasite's a parasite, right? But, well, yeah, but in, they, in, in the same way that we have, like, like bacteria that live in our digestive yeah, system, just, they, they work with us, yes. right? You know, and so, so in hearing us talk about parasitic entities, don't assume that anytime you encounter something like that, that it's necessarily harmful. Or malicious. Or, exactly, or yeah. malicious. Yeah, a yeah. lot of the times I find that people who, who bring back those parasitic entities... Um, it's just because their energy's tasty. It's just there's something about your energy that they're like, ooh, that was a nice encounter. I liked that smell. I'm going to come home with you now because I want to be around it more. And they're not necessarily going to harm you. You might feel a little off put. You might, your energy might be off. You might feel blocked or something. Um, but the easiest way to get rid of them is to do a rosemary bath. You know? Okay. Really easy. Or just do a good ground. Open up and do a, a 15 minute, like, I am cycling my energy because if you can get your energy cycling, chances are those things are going to slough off. Okay. You know, yeah. uh, it's like an energy exfoliate. Um, 
So, um, so yeah, um, one of my favorite things to help help kind of get any of those clingers off is a hyssop bath. Um, okay. If you don't have a bath, uh, you can just use you can just make a hyssop tea. Just boil yeah. some water with some hyssop in it, okay. and then let it cool, and then uh, you can. This is my conjure coming through. You can pray Psalm fifty one over it. Yeah, and if then if you're so inclined, if you're so inclined, and then just okay, spray yourself down, and that usually will get rid of them. Okay, real quick. All right. Okay, cool. Well, that was all I really had on this topic. I think we, you know, we we shared some some good information. I think, and you know, and some practical information. You know, so uh, yeah. So, all right. Is there any last thing that you would like to maybe share on the topic of astral travel work? Not really. Not anything okay. that we haven't really talked okay. about. Yeah. I, I see a lot of dramatizations uh, around the astral realm on social media and stuff like that. And all I can say is... Some some things are true. Like, you can most definitely go into the astral realm and then, oh, like, you know, you're, there's a guide there and it's a teacher guide or something. And then that teacher guide can help kind of guide you and give you some answers. But you're not going to go into the astral realm and then find yourself in the Elysian fields being coached on how to love yourself by Persephone. Like, that's just not... Some... And the likelihood of that happening, the likelihood that that instance that experience within the astral realm and that that particular goddess yes would take time uh-huh. to be like yeah i'm going to focus entirely on you because you're just that special mm-hmm. yeah like well, that's and it, not, on not top of that what we need to realize is we need to make sure that we have a good distinguishment between <clears throat> imagination and reality yes um and this is something that i that i've talked with several of my students about is you need to understand that our human monkey brain our human monkey ego likes to color things for us Mm -hmm. which is why you need to be in a good balanced state if you're going to try and utilize astral travel astral projection or astral or dream work to achieve some sort of spiritual growth you first need to be in balance you first need to be in alignment so that way you know you don't flit off into the astral realm and come back with some convoluted sentence from a spirit you met thinking that now you're the savior of the world when in reality they're just like you're the savior of your own world yeah like you need to save yourself when the message they gave you was you are a savior and you are responsible for saving and it's like cool awesome you need to make sure you yourself are in check that will help distinguish between imagination ego and reality Okay. Yeah, it's it's funny that you would say that because I initially was hesitant to do an episode on this topic. <sighs> because we see so many people now talking about like, you know, interdimensionality, you know, which I which I do do believe in, but in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um and you know these concepts that we see with people like that are like doing like, you know, like timeline shifting and and that kind of shit. And that's what that is. That's shit. If you're someone listening to this right now and you're like, "Oh yeah, timeline shifting and I was able to project my existence into an anime that I really like." Like that is crap. That is in in best light, extreme imagination, in worst light, serious mental health issue, okay? Mm-hmm. That shit does not exist. Okay? Um so that's called I, so, escapism. Exactly. So I kind of hesitated to 
to talk about this, but we had we had a listener say like, "Hey, would you guys maybe you know?" Um, and so anyway, but now that we've we've done this, I'm glad that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did just to clarify, we did focus primarily this episode on astral work uh, because, as we kind of stated at the beginning of the episode, dream work and lucid dreaming, while they can have applications for therapy and they can be incorporated into spiritual practice they're not i I guess they're technically they're really not spiritual practices you know and so that's why we kind of focused this in the way that we did i think the main thing that we find when it comes specifically to traditional witchcraft is the concept of the witch's sabbath um or spirit flight and that is something that has been around for forever even ancient egyptians had a concept of some form of astral travel or projection. They may not have called it that, but they still had it. You know, priests performing rituals to descend into the underworld, to bring back a spirit, astral travel, you know, all that stuff. So, so when we're talking about this, it is innate to traditional witchcraft, but it is by no means <clears throat> as big as we would think it you know and it all depends on tradition you know our specific our our particular tradition that hells in the mediterranean wasn't necessarily sabbatic in nature but it kind of is kind of was you know um but then you have other traditions like um andrew g andrew d chumbly's traditions that are sabbatic in nature where Mm. the entire thing is the witch's sabbat you know calling up your spirit familiar and writing your spirit familiar to to this place where all witches spirit gather and you can meet the witch lord and work with that and the devil and this, that, and the other, which is all cool. The devil. And, <gasps> which is all cool and is all valid. And I've had those experiences, but it's not all that spiritual witchcraft, spirituality and witchcraft are. If okay. that makes sense. I get you. Yeah. Right. So anyway. All right. You, you threw something out there really quick and I don't want to, we, we're already over an hour and I know it's very late and we want to go home. Um, but I, I do want to, again, kind of segue into one of our regular things that we do on our podcast episodes. And you you created a really nice opening for me there with the conversation or the, the little bit that you mentioned around the devil. And what I would like to talk about tonight is another person who's kind of been hitting a lot of people's radar in the last few days. Are you going to talk about the preacher I pastor to, dude? Yeah, I want to talk about Greg Locke. If there was uh, anyone out there who I think had a, leader. had a really close personal connection to the devil, at least as far as the Christians identify that being, it's going to be Greg Locke. Yeah. I don't think I've actually encountered anyone as overtly satanic in their belief their their just their their personality mm-hmm. the way that they and when we say their... satanic we don't mean like church of satan satanic. no again i'm talking like christian definitions yeah. of these things i don't think I, i've actually have encountered anybody that would so closely fit the concept of evil 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 evil, evil. it's been a long time the last person that I, I really kind of encountered on that level was donald trump who is in my personal belief definitely on par with the antichrist though i don't really believe in anti-christian doctrine um but I, I wanted to talk about him a little bit because we you know we often do what like what we're loving and what we're hating kind of a kind of a segment mm-hmm. or we, we do we talk a little bit about how we would proactively 
utilize our spiritual practice to supplement mundane efforts to kind mm -hmm. of handle the evils in our world. And boy, there's a big evil right there. So I shared a few things today on social media, but Austin, what what's your take on that situation? And, and I'm asking really mainly because I want to see what it is that you might have to share with our listeners on how to kind of process some of their own emotion around some of the ugly, horrible things this man is saying and doing. Crickets. Well, it's mainly because, like, here's the thing. He is a leader of a church, and we know that it's not the Christians. It's not Christ that's the issue. It's the Christians. Yes. And he is a cult leader, and he is really, really has a silver tongue and is good at brainwashing, which is and ultimately what this is, and inciting fear. He is inciting fear. And if there's anything we can take away from this is that fear, again, needs to have no place in witchcraft. Otherwise, you know better than a fucking Christian well, pastor. I, I, well, I would... I would venture to say like to expand that a little bit like fear is something that shouldn't have any place in any spiritual practice exactly you know i mean and in christianity christianity is a is a, is a tricky one okay abrahamic faith i should say abrahamic faith one, is right? all based because, around fear of they, sky daddy yes because exactly because they they teach in their own doctrine they talk about how you know they even say like i'm a god-fearing christian mm -hmm. right you know and I, I think that one of the reasons for that primarily is that or, or, or that creates confusion, I think, because if you look at the original translation, it was not that you were meant to fear God. Mm -hmm. It was it really, it was kind of seen as like, like show respect. Yes. You know, inter interact or connect with this divine energy in a, in a way that would induce awe. Yes. Right. Or, or, or be exhibiting yes. that of awe. Right. It's not about fear. You know, I think when we see fear come into the situation, it really is the way that, that humans uh, are able to, uh, or, or how we, we feel fear in ourselves from the positions and the actions that we see other people taking. Mm -hmm. Like in this situation with this, this quote unquote Christian pastor, Greg Locke, who has now induced fear, I think certainly not in just the people that he would be accusing of witchcraft, but also I'm sure in a good number of the other people in his congregation who are looking at him as someone who has definitely lost his way. Mm -hmm. Well, you know? they, they've either, they either look at him as they, as he has lost his way or they're just taking everything he mm -hmm. says and soaking it up because that's what that's what that's what religion does religion yeah. gives you the ability to be an asshole and then hide behind a book and yeah and justify your behavior that's what it is belief. that is yeah. mm -hmm. that is we that see, is we see that happening in our we, community we see too. that happening in our community we yeah. see that happening in both Hellenic and Nordic paganism, yeah. where the concept of racial purity mm -hmm. is a thing. And yes. then the minute you bring it up and you're like, you're being racist. No, I'm not being racist. This is just what yeah. my religion tells yeah, me. Exactly. And you cannot scrutinize me or or make me an issue because freedom of religion. Yeah. And all I can say to that is even in the the founding documents of the united states your freedom of religion and your freedom of speech halts immediately when it affects another person in a harmful way yeah. that is that is the law that is where it's at it doesn't matter if your book that will deteriorate in rain and will burn in fire says it's all right to have xyz slaves because god 
Yeah. It doesn't matter if it says that yeah. because you are now infringing upon someone else's free will and harming them. Therefore, by law, why are you yelling at me? Your your freedom, quote unquote, of religion and speech stops. Okay. Right there. All right. And so okay, well, let's let's bring it back for to, as to much, spirituality. For as much as I can see the fear happening around this Greg Locke situation. Mm-hmm. The reality is he is not the only one. There are multiple people like this who have large super church platforms mm-hmm. that incite fear. Yes. And the only way we as spiritual practitioners of witchcraft or paganism or Wicca or whatever the fuck you want to call it can combat that is via education and correct education. Okay. Yeah, but you're dealing with people who are not in getting in line to be educated by people in our community. So, no, but so this is where you have to hold yourself to a standard. So it's not about the other person in this situation. It's about you. Yes. Okay. All right. So, okay. So let's, okay. So let's, okay. So, I mean, we could, we could. Sorry, talk, you, we could talk another hour on this. That, that wasn't kind of, kind of where I thought this conversation might lead us, but. Um, okay, so getting back to what we usually do in this segment. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is an ugly, horrible person. Yes. Okay, and the latest issue with the witchcraft thing and the satanic panic thing, this isn't the first time this dude has done something. Of course up. not. Okay, I think I I did some research because I'm I'm at a point right now where I'm like I'm gonna get this dude, like I'm gonna I'm gonna get him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think a lot of other witches should be trying to get him right now too. But this is the same man who in the past has made, you know, has publicly made declarations that, like, autistic people are only autistic because they're possessed by demons. Yep. You know, this is the dude that was... And, you know, and this is funny to me because... And this, to me, tells people, or tells me, like, how short people's memories really are. This is the same motherfucker who, you know, was was it just last month? Harry Potter book burnings? Yep. It's like, I see shit like that, and I'm like, oh, my God, the religious right would take us back to Nazi Germany. Yeah. You know, their belief and their idea of, well, their, take us of, back their, to of their religious superiority is is such that they would actually take us back to, you're absolutely right, to, like, the Inquisition. Well, and, Like, and, in all the centuries, they haven't grown or learned or developed anything new. This well, no, is all because they're know. still, in their minds, they're still victims. Um, well, it's I think it's, it's, the, it's the best example, I think, of spiritual arrogance, like, outside of the light worker community. So, anyway. So, well, light workers are just the new Christians. So, all right. Um, so, 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 how would we handle this? Well, yeah. So, I guess I'm thinking, like, like you know, like, I, I was talking with and sharing information today on how to work an effective bind on someone, particularly someone who was spouting a lot of shit, you know? You went the bind route. Well, I went the bind route because I think this is a situation. It's been my experience that that men like this, if you give them enough time, that sooner or later they end up fucking themselves. They'll hang themselves, yeah. You know, and so my whole idea was like, oh, okay, let's just let's just do something maybe to, like to to curb his tongue, you know, or something to maybe to limit his power. Mm-hmm. Let's do something that puts him in a place of vulnerability so that his own hypocrisies. So that the skeleton's in his own closet. And you know dude's got to have a lot of skeletons yeah. in his closet. He probably has a secret grinder. Um, oh my God. Whether it's a secret grinder account or the fact that he's, who God knows, he's sexually inappropriate with female members of his congregation. He's molesting his kids. Who the hell knows? Well, I guarantee the okay. women that he accused um, of witchcraft are probably women that denied his advances. Yeah, I'm, most likely, yes. Um, but um, anyway, but... But you know, but I'm always kind of like, okay, let's let's give this person the opportunity, basically, to screw themselves because ultimately that's what they do, right? You know, and so I was thinking, so 
what are your thoughts on that? Like, like a binds and, and how would you maybe, or, or any other kind of working, what would you, what would you maybe suggest? I think a bind would be good, but I would be more apt to actually work out a contract with a spirit. Okay. Um, and I would do it utilizing one of the Goetia. So a goetic spirit. Yes. So in, in Greg Locke's religious view, a demon. Yes. Okay. So I would utilize Spirit of the Goetia. Okay. Um, one that is very good at... Let's go with Belial, because Belial is the father of lies, right? Uh, yes. Um, working a contract with that Spirit of Belial to strip him of his silver tongue. Okay. To remove his silver tongue and replace his tongue with a wagging tongue that only spouts truth. Okay. All right. To take away his lies and only shine light on the truth. Okay. And have that move through his entire congregation. And, of course, this is going to be, that would be a really big working, and Belial would probably really ask for some intense offerings and some intense yeah. gifts, you know? Yeah, that would be a lot um, of work. We, we have done, we, we have done working with a particular oh, spirit. Oh, those goetic spirits. Where are, they're are, like... <laughs> Gold. Oh my god! Like weeks and days and months of yes. work, and and but and it and it's worth it. It's worth it because you'll it. get it. You'll get that um, shit done. Um, so that's how I would go about it. If I wanted to be a really big asshole, I would actually probably utilize. I would go an old high high magic ceremonial route, and I wouldn't use a daemon. Mm -hmm. I would actually evoke an angel. I'd evoke an angelic yeah. presence. Okay. Bind the angelic presence to him. So Gabriel, like um, good old or Uriel, perhaps like good old angels of judgment. Yes, um, blow Gabriel go, um, and utilize that. Okay. Now the problem with working with an angelic spirit is, is it's probably not they're not going to ask for physical things. They're probably just going to fuck you up. But you know whatever. Yeah, angels can be particularly tricky to, to yeah. work with. I, mean, I, I would rather work with Astaroth or Stolas. Any day yeah. than having to deal. Well, it's good. the goetic spirits are. I think are they're just. I think it's not that they're closer to humanity than angels are necessarily. They just seem to be a little more interested in what we're up to than angels are. Yeah, because um, they're primal. They're yeah. They're almost like genus loci. There you go. Yeah, yeah, kind of in a sense maybe. Um, okay. So all right. So so one other thing, and then then I absolutely we will we will sign off because we've been at this long enough. Okay. And this is probably going to be a, a question or a little bit of a of a, a tangent that can maybe upset some people who listen. And and I want to just clarify right now. This is of course it is not my intent to upset anybody, but there seems to be this idea that religious. Christian, particularly evangelical Christians, that they have that their faith in their God is somehow strong enough to protect them from witchcraft. I've had Christians say this to me, like, you can do whatever you want to me. My faith is strong enough. Nothing you can do. And I just want to say to all of you listening to the episode right now that that is bullshit. The Christian God, the God that most the average Christians put their faith Yahweh. in, does not care about his followers he does not care reading the, the 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 holy text will tell you that he is all about himself that god that deity that they worship that they they kneel to and pray to is only about himself and if it comes down to losing a, a follower losing a sheep here or there from his flock it's gonna happen it happens all the time i 
I'm not saying we should work. We should deliberately no. work against these people. But in this particular situation, yes, work against them. Oh yeah, I I I agree 100% with what you're saying. Which also leads me to one of the most effective curses that I have ever worked mm-hmm. is utilizing someone's religion against them. Yeah. They want to believe that their faith and their God is so strong and so powerful, mm-hmm. particularly for this gentleman here, yeah. Psalm 53, let him, let them roam with gnashing and gnawing teeth, never knowing, never knowing true, oh God, sa- satiation. It's something about like basically wandering always being hungry and never being fulfilled. Okay. So you're talking about actually like using the, the Bible against them because yes. that's where they put their faith. Yeah. So yeah, no, I can, I can see that as a component of spell work. So anyway. Know thy enemy. Yeah, okay. I'm not entirely sure where I wanted this, this little bit to go, but I, I know that this is something that's been kind of like on my mind for a couple of days now and on the minds of a lot of other people mm-hmm. depending on, or based on what I'm seeing a lot of people sharing on social media, um, at least within our community. Um, so, but I thought it might be interesting to talk about that. No, I think that is most but, definitely an interesting topic to talk anyway. about, and it has given me an idea to, to for the utilization of a St. Michael Novena that I purchased. Okay, yeah. St. Michael is always good for issues of conflict. Well, St. Michael is also still sacred to Italian folk magic. That's true. Yes. And as Italians, I may not be a Christian, but those spirits are there, and they most definitely make themselves known. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that seems kind of like an odd place to end the episode, but we're we're at about an hour and a half now, yeah. and I and do I this think information what you will. We're tired. Yeah. So anyway, so thank you everybody for joining us once again. Hopefully, the information that we presented on astral travel work will be of value to you in your practice. As always, if you have any questions, please contact us. You can message us here through the podcast. You can contact us on Facebook. You can contact us on Instagram. Um, and we will happily get back to you with an answer or or share your answer on a future episode. Um, uh, question and answer on a future episode. Uh, we will be back next week with Lauren. Yes. One of one of our she's she's been on a few which episodes now. Uh, we yes, which way up, Lauren? Um, who is just brilliant. We love her, and we will be discussing um, the romanticization of witch trials, specifically the Salem. Yes, trials. the Salem witch trials. Yes, um, I'm I'm very excited to have that conversation with her I and to share, yeah. see her share that information with yeah, our I listeners. They, so. Their final project and their masters was on it. So, is it they? Am I mispronouncing? Or I just automatically go to gender okay, neutral. Yeah, I, I just do that too. I do that too. I, I want to make sure that I think we we asked I never that. Want to I, I, remember, I think I think they did say that she was okay. So yeah. anyway, that's okay. So all right, thank you everybody. Okay, please have uh, a lovely, have a lovely day. Or night, whenever you listen to this. Happy witching.